All right. Well, good morning. Good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Tony, sir, would you open us up with a word of prayer? Be with us in a mighty way today. Father, pray that our hearts and minds be open and receptive to, to your word. The Holy Spirit would have his way in our lives today. Father, pray especially for the one that might be in our presence that, that, that know you from the free part of sin. Father, it's not 100% sure if they died today, they spent a journey in heaven with you that today might be their day of salvation. We ask to see you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, good morning. And. Uh, I'd like to ask everybody to get in a hymnal, and we'll turn to page number 252, and we'll stand on this first song as we sing. Nothing but the blood.
we'll turn on over here to page 262. There is power in the blood. I'm glad that blood has never lost its power, amen.
Amen. As we make our way back to our seats this morning, let's get our hymnals. Turn to page number 612. God is so good.
Appreciate that number this morning at the cross. 
And uh, of course, this morning is our uh, fifth Sunday, so we'll be observing the Lord's Supper at the end of our uh, end of our service. I do appreciate you being here this morning, and I uh, don't take it for granted that you're here and you chose to worship with us here at Putnamville Baptist Church. Hope and pray that you've already been blessed for being here. And if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here, and uh, we want to let you know you're our honored guest, and I appreciate you being here this morning. Hope that we can be a blessing to you. All right, today, uh, Lord dealt with my heart about uh, going back to Calvary, going back to Calvary, and I hope that as we observe the uh, Lord's Supper this morning, that we will have a vision of what uh, of Calvary, of what it was like, a vision of Christ, and um, uh, I've read this week the Gospels, uh, the account of the uh, crucifixion. I've read through all the Gospels each day this week, and um, and uh, the more I read them, the more I became aware of the cross, uh, the importance of the cross for the Christian, and uh, the differences it makes in society. And uh, this morning, I want to bring a message that uh, I've I've entitled the Christ. Of the cross of Calvary, the Christ of the cross of Calvary. I want to point out five words to you this morning. We'll have the message. If you would join me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. We're going to start in verse 20. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse 20. The Bible says, When ye come together, therefore, unto one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before others his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunken. What, have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say unto you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood and the, uh, the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged." But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for this opportunity that we set apart to absorb, uh, observe the Lord's Supper. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, as we have a time of invitation in a few moments, Lord, I ask that you would reveal uh, the sin in our lives. Lord, that we would get that confessed. Lord, that we would uh, be right with you, be right with man. And God, I pray that you would do a great work in our midst this morning, that only you could get the praise, the honor, the glory uh, from it. Lord, we ask that uh, all hearts and minds will be clear. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now as only you can. We give you all the glory, the praise, the honor. And uh, Lord, we give it all to you this morning. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, I pray that today be the day of salvation. Lord, again, thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
I want to point out five words this morning. Uh, this morning that I, I think that is important for us as we look back to Calvary. Uh, number one, it's important to notice the cross, the cross. And look there in verse uh, 24 of our text. It says, and when he had given thanks, he break and said, break it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And when we take the Lord's Supper, it's a time that we look back and we think about what the Lord has done for us when He went to the cross of Calvary to die for our sins. You see, He that knew no sin became sin for us. And uh, no one took His life. And we need to understand that right now. No one took His life, but He gave His life willingly. He freely, willingly came to this earth and uh, left the portals of glory and came down to this sin-filled world and died for our sinful souls. And I'm thankful this morning that uh, when I think of Calvary, I think of the cross that Jesus uh, bore our sins and died for our sins. I want you to notice some things about this cross. It was rugged. The old songwriter said it this way, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. Oh, that old rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction to me. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it on dark Calvary. In the old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For t'was on that cross, that old cross, Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies are laid down, I will cling to that old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. There's, a, there's just something whenever, there's nothing, can I say this, there's nothing special about the cross. It's the Christ that suffered on the cross that makes it special. See, there's nothing that can be added to those words, is there? The old rugged cross, and what a beautiful hymn. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Let me say this. We sang about the blood this morning. I'm thankful that we have a church that still preaches and believes and sings about the blood. It's still the blood that saves. So the second thing I want you to notice about the cross, it was relentless. It was relentless. No one ever escaped after being on the cross. They, were, they, were, uh, they knew exactly what they were doing. There was no human rights activists there and groups that stepped forward and on the day of Jesus and on his behalf. No one did that. Jesus was considered to be a common thief and therefore rightly deserved to be crucified on the cross. That's what they thought. The cross was relentless. There was, the word relentless means no pity. There was no pity for Christ. If one would read the gospel account of the cross, he would see that there was no pity that was rendered to the Lord. You think about this, and as we think of Calvary, and as we think of uh, partaking in the Lord's Supper, we need, we need to think about the cross, and we need to think about how they beat him. They scourged him. I say this often, but I, I want to bring it to the forefront of your mind. As we, we take the Lord's Supper, he was beat with a cat of nine tails. And let me explain the cat of nine tails. It was a leather whip that would, the Romans would, would whip, the Roman centurion would whip the, uh, our Lord. And they had nine strands. And uh, those leather straps had shards of glass and metal and rock. And 
anything else that they could find, and they put it in there. And when they whipped them, it wasn't just a whip that we see today that would just be lashes on the back. But what they would do, it was literally, when they'd done that, it would wrap all the way around our Lord and Savior's body. And then whenever they pulled it back, it would literally take the flesh from the bones. Now, I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just telling you what Christ did for us. I, I can't help but think of what the Lord went through. They beat him. They spat upon him. That's one thing I, can, I can't stand for someone to spit on me. I mean, that's just... But the Lord, he, he endured that. They pierced his side with a spear. A spear and they, crowned him, uh, uh, they put a crown of thorns upon his head. They took his divine, holy, sinless body and made it into a shameful heap of sin. But then I also want you to notice it provided redemption. The cross provided redemption to, to buy back that was rightfully, was rightfully his to begin with. You know, it was his. We belong to him. That's what we see at the cross. God loved the sinner so much that he was willing to send his only begotten son into the world to die for our sins. You see, he did it all for me. Each blood drop was shed for me. And I think about that, folks. I, I, when I think of Fifth Sundays and I think of the Lord's Supper, I, it takes me back to a place where Jesus Christ died for my sins. Can you understand all that He went through? He went to the cross for me and He went to the cross for you that we might live forever. But then also I see that it reconciled. Colossians 1.20 says, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, having made peace with the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether uh, they be things of earth or the things in heaven. Ephesians 2.16, And that He might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. I want you to notice the cross, but then secondly, I want you to notice the crowd. The crowd. In Matthew chapter 27, I'm going to turn there, if you can turn there if you like. Matthew chapter 27, speaking of the crucifixion and, and the things that, partake, uh, that took place there. But Matthew 27, I want you to notice there's four different crowds of people that you'll find at Calvary. There was a believing crowd. Aren't you thankful for those? The believing crowd there in uh, 2754. Notice it says, And now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Thus, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. The centurion and his people, they said, Truly, he said, Truly, this is the Son of, this was, I'm sorry, they said, This was the Son of God. The mistake that the soldiers made here was that they believed that this was the end of Christ. They referred to him as was the Son of God. He not only was, but he is and he always will be the Son of God. Back in Exodus, when Moses, when we see Moses talking to God in Exodus 3.14, God answered Moses and he said these words. He says, I am that I am. Now that may not mean anything to you, but what that means is this. He was saying, I am today, I am tomorrow, and I am forevermore. I always will be. I am that I am. 
You see, He's the only begotten Son of God. He's the Rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the Almighty. He's the Prince of Peace. He is the Everlasting Father. He's the Coming King. He's the Crown of Heaven. He's the Kinsman Redeemer. And He is the Risen Savior. He is the Messiah. He is my God and my Savior. I want you to know that I am part of that believing crowd. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he rose the third day. I believe it. But I also noticed there was a watching crowd. You ever, you ever went by a, uh, an accident? People, won't know. You know what they do? They do this thing. They're trying to see. They're, they're just sitting there watching. They're, they're, you ever been to a tra- seen a train wreck? People will come from miles around just to see what's going on. See, there was, there are all, there's always those who want to stand around and watch. Look there in verse 36. It says, and sitting down, they watched him there. Let me say, the news media wouldn't put this on the evening, evening news broadcast and saying another religious freak died killed himself we will always have the watchers even in our churches today those who stand around and watch never get involved in the great commission never get involved in the things of God never get involved in missions never get involved in those things those are the watchers excluding themselves from church fam- or the church family never joining any of the work of the, or activities they're withdrawn they're, they're just watchers But then I want you to notice there's a doubting crowd. There in verse 45 through 49 it says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calls for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come and save him. We see the doubters today. Some ask, they say, do you actually believe that Jesus died on the cross? Oh, absolutely, I believe it. They say, you don't believe that fable, do you? Yeah, absolutely. It's not a fable, but I believe everything God's Word says. Let me say again, it's not the cross that makes, not the cross or Calvary that's special. What makes it special is the Christ who died there. That Christ chose to die there. He's the only one that makes anything special. Listen, there's nothing special about you. There's nothing special about me. The only thing that makes us special is because the God, the Jesus Christ who died for us. I am righteous because He has made me righteous. Not anything that I have done, but all that He has done. I remember when I knelt and prayed, I fell at the foot of old Golgotha. I fell there on June the 13th, 1998. That day my blessed Savior forgave me my sins and washed me whiter than snow. Hey, listen, let others doubt Him. I believe Him. Let others reject Him. That's okay. I believe Him. 
Let others shun him. That's okay. I believe him. Let others ignore him. Let others try to attempt to erase him. Folks, I believe him. But then I want you to notice the last crowd there is the scoffers. Look there in verse 39. It says, And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself if thou be the Son of God. Come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him and the scribes and the elders saying, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of the Israel, let him now come down from the cross and, let, and we will believe him. I don't intend to sound unkind and cruel. I really don't. But to the scoffers and the mockers, I can only say this. Jesus will have the last laugh. As it was in the days of Noah, when the rain came and people began to cry and beg for mercy, but listen, it was too late. When the days of the great tribulation comes upon this land, the scoffers will cry out, it's going to be too late. All I can say is woe unto you, scoffers. Woe unto you. But then I want you to notice number three. Notice the cries. The cries. The cries of selfishness. In Luke chapter 23, 39, it says, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. This man wasn't concerned about Christ saving himself. He wasn't saying, he wasn't really concerned about Jesus saving himself. What he, was, he was concerned about his own life. He was concerned about his own. See, I see selfishness at the cross today. There are those, uh, those who are saved, yet won't go and tell another person about the Lord. What God has done for them. Let's not be selfish. But then I want you to notice the cries of surrender. Luke 23, verse 46 says this, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. I wish we had a church full of members that would cry the same thing today. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Not my will be done, but thine. I surrender all. A cry of surrender. That's what we need. When we look back to the cross, you know, it wasn't all about the Lord. All that It wasn't for Him. It was for us. Then I want you to notice the cry of solitude. There in verse 46 it says, And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, when Jesus, at that time, Jesus bore our sins... He took upon our sins, the sins of the whole world. And Jesus looked at God the Father, and God the Father turned His back on Him. He bore our sins. What could be more lonely picture than a father forsaking his son? There's not very many on Jesus' side today. It's lonely. The school systems aren't on the Lord's side. The government isn't on the Lord's side. The media isn't on the Lord's side. And many churches aren't on the Lord's side. It's all about themselves. There's a cry of solitude, but then I want you to notice the cry for support. Who's on the Lord's side? Let him step forward. There's a call come ringing out today over the restless waves. Send the light. 
God's wanting, God's calling us. There's people crying out, I believe, crying out for help. And God's saying, send the light. Send the light. Send the blessed gospel light. Can you hear the cry today? We must send that blessed light to those that are across the way. Folks, we need to be involved, not just in missions. I believe we do a great job. I, I praise the Lord for our missions program. We're seeing a lot of things going on in our missions program. For such a small church, God is really blessing that. But can I tell you, missions is not just overseas. Missions is in your backyard. Missions is at the grocery store. Missions is when you leave these doors here, you're entering the mission field. Folks, we need to be sending the light. Then I want you to notice number four. Notice the cost. What are we talking about? What we're talking about here is not free. Yeah, it's free to us, but it wasn't free to him. It costs, it costs it bankrupt heaven, someone said. Salvation is without cost but to the recipient, yet it's not free. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. John 12, 24 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He's talking about a person dying, dying to self, dying to the things of this world. We must be willing to die and uh, die to self and commit ourselves uh, to give ourselves to the Lord. As long as you hold on to one thread of self-will, as long as you hold on to that, well, this is what I want, as long as you do that, you're not going to be surrendered and you're not going to be willing to pay the price. Let me tell you, sacrifice costs. But then I want you to notice, number five, notice the Christ. That's what it's all about, folks. Look there in verse, chapter 27 of Matthew, verse 24. It says, Now when the centurion and they that were with him watched Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, and they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. I'm going to tell you some, some things about my Lord here. He's sinless. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous, the righteousness of God in him. He had, there was no guile, no, there was nothing, uh, uh, no sin nor guile found in him. He was sinless. And some of your modern versions and, and things, they, uh, let me tell you, they, they portray a, a God that is a, a humanistic God. He wasn't a humanistic God. Yes, he was 100% human, but he was also 100% God. You say, how do you explain that? All I can say is, I believe it. He was sinless. The sinless one came and gave himself for you and the, the sinner. He came so that you and I might be righteous. Had it not been a place called Mount Calvary, had it not been for the old rugged cross, had it not been for a man named Jesus, then forever my soul would be lost. Now think about that, folks. There had to be a perfect spotless lamb, one without spot or blemish, and Jesus Christ was that perfect lamb. Behold the lamb that take away the sins of the world. He was sinless, but also he was surrendered. He was obedient to the cross. You know, he said there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Not my will, but thy will be done. Philippians 2.8 says this, And being found, found in the fashion as of a man, 
he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. There's some would say, yeah, I'd be willing to die, but make it a quick death. <laughs> I don't want to suffer. I don't want, but you know what? He endured it all. You think about this for a moment. He knew. Jesus Christ knew what he was going to. He knew it all. He knew that he was going to suffer and shame and people, people mock him and spit upon him, pull out his beard and beaten with the cat of nine tails. He knew all that. Yet he willing was submissive and obedient to go to the cross. Obedient to death and the cross meant that Jesus was willing to accept anything and everything that was contrary to his divine nature. He could not have uh, died unless he had surrendered to death. Do you realize that? The death that he wants from you and I to, is a death to self. Are we willing to die to self? Where's your obedience to death? But then I want you to notice this. He was silent. You say, why does that matter? The Bible speaks of it. All throughout the trials, we see Jesus with a closed, closed mouth. He never rose up in opposition to the, what the Romans or the, the Jewish government was doing to him. They, he never did that. In all the torment and the punishment, he spoke not a word. He could have called, understand this, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called for help, but he chose not to. The angels, I believe, I, now the Bible doesn't say this, but I believe the angels were standing at attention ready to come. Just say it, Lord, I'll be there. There would have been a great slaughter, I'm telling you. Because there's going to be a great slaughter one day. These angels were wanting to come and rescue, but the one that was the glory and the center of worship of all of heaven, but he never opened his mouth. He was silent. Notice also he was the sacrifice. There's something about the word sacrifice that makes us Christians flinch a little bit. We don't want to sacrifice. We're willing to be named with Christ in all his glory and his beauty, but to be identified with his divine nature, we're okay with that. We rejoice when it come, we can be counted his heir, but to be counted with him in sacrifice just goes against the grain. God, you want me to do what? Think about what he was willing to sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice today? We have become hardened to the word sacrifice. We don't like it. We don't like to hear it. Don't, preacher, don't talk about sacrifice. We know nothing about sacrificing today. But then I want you to notice the final thing, his suffering. He suffered for each and every one who has ever lived and will ever live. Listen to me, what we have in the Christ of the cross is real. It's alive. It's eternal. Can you grasp that today? When you take back, when we take a walk back to Calvary and we look about what Christ has done for us. If you stand here today with no vision or no burden on your heart, then you are cold and indifferent to the heart of Christ. Does Christ, the Christ of the cross of Calvary mean anything to you today? 1 Corinthians 11, again, I'm going to read this. It says, 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. With heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We take a walk back to Calvary. We think of the Christ on the cross of Calvary, the one who died for our sins. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar this morning. The Bible says in this portion of Scripture that we read, it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Can I tell you in our own righteousness, each one of us, listen, we are unrighteous in our own righteousness. There's none of us that are worthy to partake of the Lord's Supper. But can I tell you also that because of His sacrifice, because what He done on the cross of Calvary, and if you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are righteous because of His righteousness. Now let me say this, if there's sin in your life, you're not right with the Lord, there's someone that you're not right with, you need to get right today. Don't partake in this Lord's Supper if you're not living for the Lord. If you have one foot in the world and one foot in the church, it doesn't work that way, folks. Let a man examine himself. I'm not going to be around here to police you. I'm not going to say you can and you can't. Let a man examine his own self. You know if your heart's right with the Lord. And let me say this, if your heart's not right with God, he says if, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can come to the, the altar this morning and you can get things right. You can get things right. I believe there's people that need to find a place at the altar and get things right with him. Maybe you hear this morning, you say, Pastor, I don't even know for sure if I was to die today. I don't even know for sure that I would go to heaven. Pastor, would you pray for me? I just don't know for sure. Anyone like that, would you raise your hand? Anyone? Just be honest. No one else is looking around. You say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm not living for God like I should. There's some things in my life that's not right. Pastor, I need your prayers. Anyone like that? I see that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. I'll pray for you. You know your heart. You know what's going on. I'm, on a, I'm just going to ask you to be obedient to him. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. I thank you for the opportunity that we can set a service aside and just think about the cross, the Christ on the cross of Calvary, the one who died for our sins. Lord, that makes us, we're made righteous because of his righteousness. Lord, I pray for that one that raised their hand, Lord, for some things in their life that's just not right. Lord, I pray that you do a work in their life, Lord, that you said that you're faithful and just to forgive us. Lord, that means that we can start a fresh slate today. Lord, if we would confess our sins, that's the only hang-up there. If we would confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I pray that hearts and that every person would examine their own life and see what they need. Lord, if they're not living for you, God, I pray 
Lord, that they would come and get those things right, find a new zeal to live, to live for you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you stand to your feet? Miss Haley is going to begin playing here. God has spoke to your heart. I'm going to encourage you to come. Won't you come? Maybe there's something I don't know. You examine your own heart. I'm not here to examine your heart. I can't do that. But you can examine your own heart and say, you know what? There's some areas in my life. I made a commitment that I was going to read my Bible. And I haven't been faithful to doing that. I made a commitment to do this, but I haven't been doing that. I haven't been living for God like I should. my deacons if they would come forward let me say something about our lord's supper um, for the participate the participation if you are saved and you have a scriptural walk with the lord you're walking with the lord um, you don't have to be a member of this church as long as you are walking with the lord you can partake in our the lord's supper here we believe in a close communion uh, which means that as long as you're saved and you have a scriptural walk with the lord um, that you can partake Uh, uh, in that uh, we don't believe in open where just anybody can take but we do believe in close where if you are uh, you're saved and you have a biblical walk with the Lord you can partake in our Lord's Supper Um, all right let me get down here
saying this cup is the new testament my blood this do as, as this do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me 
understand. Let's sing I Love You, Lord, if you know that song. All right.